1: You are now in the Corner Booth Podcast, a sports podcast from Billy Up Sports and the Billy Up Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jared Clem. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Corner Booth Podcast. I am your host, Jared Klim, alongside the original sidekick, Mr. Kevin Langley. Savannah, unfortunately, is out today, but. We, you've got your two-favorite knucklehead doing a six-pack, plus we've got a surprise team going to the World Series and some corners trading spots. First off, we'll hit it off with Thursday Night Football to unite the Denver, um, Kansas City Chiefs in Denver. Kev, I don't think it's a guarantee the Chiefs win tonight. No, not at all. No, not at all. Patrick
0: Mahomes, in warm-ups, wasn't limping around, and he looked healthy, but also the Chiefs have looked like such a weak team. They can't really run the ball, They're, they have fumble issues, so that's... If their defense was as bad as it is, but they got on and off the field quickly, or the Chiefs offense was on the field for a while and didn't turn the ball over, that'd be fine, but given the fact that the Chiefs offense is turning the ball over, not necessarily from Mahomes, it's just putting more pressure on their defense to make plays when they can't. And
1: we also can't forget forget the fact that if you don't have if you have Philip Lindsay, for the love of Christ, start him tonight against that awful Chiefs run defense. The boys would put a number against good run defenses. Like I have him in two leagues. I started him without even questioning it. Like, you got you gotta do it. And the problem is the Chiefs just like you you hammered it through. The Chiefs just don't look like the Chiefs of last year. I think everyone jumped on the wagon way too fast. It was like, oh, Mahomes, he's the second coming. I'm like, yeah, he's very talented. But the pieces around him were very unstable. And that defense just – they took like, so many pieces. They just never – and I'm sitting there during the draft with Mark, and I'm like, hmm, they're not replacing any of the pieces. They're just replacing offensive pieces. Am I missing something here? Are they going to go get a bunch of veterans and plug some holes? Like what? And they didn't. So – as of right now, I have the Denver Broncos pulling an upset tonight, 23-20. to Mahomes gets sacked by Von Miller as the game's closing, fumbled, and the Broncos recover and take a knee.
0: I don't know who to pick because I think the Broncos have a better chance because the Chiefs' offensive line still isn't that good. Mm-hmm. The, the Broncos have a really good pass rush. I can see them getting after Mahomes. But if Mahomes is healthy, I can see him letting it fly in that Denver air.
1: It is true, but also Denver's corners aren't horrible either. No, but
0: I think I think tonight you're either going to see Mahomes either going to go off, and I don't think it's going to be a blowout because I think
1: the game because, gets ugly, especially
0: you know, in Mile High. But I think the the Chiefs not having a run game kind of made teams just play Mahomes. And they didn't have to worry about the run at all. So Mahomes can't doesn't have as much time to air it out or everyone's dropping back in coverage. I think in Denver he'll be able to throw it even farther and lead the Chiefs to a victory. It'll be a narrow one. It'll be like thirty five to thirty two or something.
1: You're expecting the Chiefs to you're expecting Phillip Lindsay to be able to put up five touchdowns? I see it.
0: No, the Chiefs are gonna win 35-32.
1: Okay, so it's fine. Four touchdowns from Lindsay. And no eh, somehow somehow thirty two. I don't even know. Whatever it doesn't matter, but uh yeah, I just it's' know uh, this game's crazy, I, mean, I feel like it's gonna be ugly. It's Thursday night, it's in Denver. It just seems like Mahomes struggles in primetime games not like her cousin's level, but to a level where it's noticeable, so all right, moving off football quickly, um congratulations to the washington nationals uh swept the St. Louis Cardinals. A night ago for the first ticket to be punched to the World Series all I'm gonna say is we can hammer the whole Bryce harperness less all, team all we want that team's got a nasty rotation and has like all a bunch of young budding hit hit hitters that are actually decent players and yeah they just do it right like this is like a really consistent team and I did not expect St. Louis to get swept. I think the last time – I can't remember the last time they got swept in the playoffs. So, congratulations to Washington. Was it 2007? No, 2004? Yeah, 2004, I think, was the last time they got swept in the playoffs really? by the Boston Red Sox in the World Series.
0: Yeah, because they didn't sweep in 2013.
1: Yeah, no, and this is weird because the Cardinals are always that team that hangs around once they get in the playoffs and something clicks. But – Yeah. Paul Goldschmidt, by the way. Like o oh for oh, I can't it was like o oh for seven in the last two games or or something like that it was something crazy like he'd been over for seven or so o oh for whatever his batting average in the playoffs is like 067 or what I'm like that's not the Paul Goldschmidt I know Cage is like oh you can't take the diamond back out of the player I'm like he was clutch when he played for Arizona he like hit like four hundred in the playoffs but you know whatever pull out your boat. Oh uh, yeah, Goldie is going to be a, uh, a free agent. Well, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes. But speaking we had Diamondbacks, there's like five former Diamondbacks on that Nationals roster. I'm all hyped; they're going to get to go play in the World Series finally. Because we uh, know they wouldn't do it with the Diamondbacks. Well, at least with the current roster they were on. Unfortunately, like, Gerardo Parra got traded when like di- Arizona sold Kevin Towers. Rest in peace. But he may have been the worst GM in baseball. Patrick Corbin, uh, I still hate the guy, but you know what, like. He kinda of big I mean he didn't big time us. We could have easily resigned him, but that Yasmany yeah, Tomas and Granke deals kind of screwed us, but um Yeah, um also
0: Diamondbacks are great. Zach Granke could play in the World Series.
1: Yeah. So I mean listen, there was so many former Diamondbacks on that ro- in the playoffs. It was like crazy. Like every there was like at least one significant one, except for the Yankees on every roster. How long was Granke in Arizona? Three and a half years. Oh, three and a half? I thought it was less than that. Yeah, no, 16, 17, 18, and a half, a
0: 19. Okay, so longer than Cooper Cup's dad was in Dallas. He was there for more than two cups of coffee. <laughs>
1: That's really bad. Um. All right. Finally, we're switching back to football before we hit the six-pack. Quickly, the rundown is the one that keeps chugging along. Jalen Ramsey, Marcus Peters, both on the move. Marcus Peters, of course, being moved to the Baltimore Ravens for some picks and some players. While the Rams, <laughs> oh my God, gave up two fourth-rounders and two first-rounders for Jalen Ramsey in consecutive years. Um, basically, the Rams won't have a first, haven't had a first-round pick since Jared Goff, and they won't have one until 2021. So, yikes.
0: I still Uh, love the move.
1: I I mean, I do too, but what really – if I'm a Rams fan, I should be freaking terrified this morning is what Deion Sanders, who is Jalen Ramsey's close friend and mentor, said this morning. And he was talking about how Jalen – it may only be a one-year fix for Jalen. And I got ripped apart on Sound Off for this, but I said Jalen Ramsey is not about the Hollywood flash. It's never been his M.O. And the Rams are not going to win this year. They're not even going to make the playoffs, most likely. Even with Ramsey, it only f- fixes one of the eight holes in that roster. If they went and got Ramsey and then also made a move for an offensive tackle, another like I I don't know, like an, a, a, a linebacker, and like they went like made eight other like and they got like some another receiver, then yeah, I could see that working. Or maybe getting a running back that actually can move, or t- telling Sean McVay you got to use Gurley. Basically, there's too many holes on that team. Half of them are on that offensive line and that, how slow that defense is. Now teams are double-teaming Aaron Donald because they don't have they don't have to worry about Nadab Kinsu anymore. I didn't realize it until I was looking at a film, and then Greg Cosell was on Helen Cowherd and basically reiterated what I saw. Basically, teams are double-teaming uh, Aaron Donald and then just like pushing him out of the play, almost like what they were doing to Fletcher Cox this year with his toe injury. So, to me... I still don't think the Rams are a playoff team. Now, on the other hand, the Baltimore Ravens w- made off like gangbusters. And I'm going to tell you why Jalen Ram- like, why Marcus Peters is going to have a great, like, great rest of his season in Baltimore. One, he's got Earl Thomas behind him. Last time he had a Pro Bowl safety behind him, he had Eric Berry in Kansas City where basically Marcus Peters was allowed to make quick jumping routes and make crazy plays and do what he does best. Try to imitate Asante Samuel. When you, he Hughes in L.A., basically, besides John Johnson, he had an aging Eric Weddle and then a couple of misfits playing behind him. The guy never had a shot to really – I think he had LaMarcus Joyner for a year or two, but still. It's just I – mean, it wasn't Joyner, Joyner Nickelback? I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. This is going to be great for uh, Marcus Peters. I think we're going to go back to seeing more of what we saw in Kansas City. I think this makes the Ravens' defense terrifying because now you have Marlon Humphrey, who is just like – he's a former Alabama guy, Kev, as you know. I know you love him already, but he's a big physical, plays dirty. Him and Jimmy, Jimmy Smith are both big physical corners. And then you have Marcus Peters, a pick-six artist. So I love the move for them. And um, I think he, he, he might stay. Because I think he's got like a year or two left on his contract. But um, I don't know about uh, Ramsey, though. I don't know. I think if um,
0: if L.A. can make the playoffs and win this year, not win the Super Bowl, I don't think they have any chance do that. But if they can kind of keep improving and make the playoffs, make the NFC championship, I can see Jalen Ramsey wanting to stay more.
1: But they have to do that. There's no – there's No, like,
0: there's – if Goff continues to struggle, Ramsey's going to go, oh, great. I'm back with Blake Bortles, and I'm playing with basically a clone of him. I don't want to be here.
1: Also, you're playing with an old defense. It's not like in Jacksonville where half that defense was like 25 or younger. Basically, it was Calais Campbell and a bunch of babies when they were like Saxonville. But <clears throat> that's, that's just how I think – and the thing is like Deion Sanders is like best friends with Jalen Ramsey – and like he's like his mentor. Both four state players, both arguably some of the best cornerbacks we've ever seen in the NFL ever. And Jay, yeah, Jalen's young, but like even his first three years, the guy's just ridiculous. So I don't know. Um yeah, move I just I, that's what I think. And I, I just it's gonna be interesting going forward. But now, Kevin, you ready? I don't know. Let's crack a six pack. All right, first up, we got Oregon and Washington Pac-12 battle. It's the border war time, baby. The line is Oregon minus three, and I took Oregon outright in our belly up picks this week, by the way. I am the guest picker, so check it out. It's on our, what, Instagram and Twitter? Uh,
0: yeah, it's on the belly up CFB Twitter, I know. I don't know if they put it on Instagram yet.
1: Yeah, but your boy is the uh, guest picker for this week. I told our... Master of Ceremonies for that, uh, Mr. Zach Mac. That I am going ten and zero. I am probably going to go zero and ten, knowing my luck of calling myself like that. But we'll see what happens. Kev, what do you got for this game? I just think Hebert versus Easton. I got Hebert. It's a quarterback battle. Yeah, I think Oregon is
0: one underthrown touchdown pass, poor cornerback play from being six and zero. Yeah, and I think Oregon and that game I think hurt their ranks. I think they could. Be top. Obviously, they'd be top ten if they won that. I think they could be top seven if they did. And I think Washington just is not good. They're twenty fifth in the country. They lost by one to unranked Cal, and then which actually by, have
1: a soft, They're they're not a bad unranked team though. No, but
0: and then but losing by ten to Stanford this year. Yeah, that was bad. If it was one or the other, okay. But I think having both really kind of shows a team that Washington is, and yeah, they'll beat up on Eastern Washington and Hawaii and Arizona, but I don't think Washington's good. I don't think they'll be ranked by the end of the year, and I think this game is going to drop them out of the rankings for the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, when you look uh, one through 22, Oregon wins at least, I think, probably 15 out of the 22 positions starting with quarterback. I'd rather Hebert than Easton. Easton's a good quarterback, but he's going to leave in the draft. I think Washington, this is kind of like that year where they're like, eh. I think the recruiting class next year is, like, loaded, and so is Oregon. So it's going to be interesting next year going into this rivalry. But, yeah, I got Oregon. I think they're going to cover the spread plus. Bet the over on this game by a mile. Um, Michigan-Penn State. Now, in the belly up picks, I took Michigan to cover. I didn't take them to win. I have Penn State winning this because Penn State is a great team, but basically, I I don't know. I just I think the game's will be closer than everyone thinks because there's so much hype on Penn State smoking Michigan. Now I could be wrong. I really hope I'm not wrong, but. Michigan could also come out and lay a goose egg. I still think Penn State's winning this because they're the, clearly the better team, but I feel like we're going to have a lot closer of a ball game than you you would think.
0: I disagree. I don't think Michigan they can. They've somewhat done in the past. I don't think Michigan at this point can win a big game on the road as an underdog. I think Penn State is sneakily one of the best teams in the country. They had that close win against Pitt, but other than that, they are winning convincingly against teams. I don't think they should be in the top five yet, but I think they are going to show people that they should be closer, Like I think they're seven now, maybe, they should mm-hmm. be six or even five if they win convincingly enough, and I think they'll do that. I think James Franklin is a good coach, I think he's put a good program out there in Penn State and kind of brought them back to relevance, and I know it started with Bill O'Brien, but... I have complete faith in James Franklin. I mean,
1: I I think James Franklin's the best head coach, and I love the I love the young guys they got out there at Penn State. Even though I, like I can't name a single one right now, but I've watched them twice now this year, and they just blow me away with their with their speed and athleticism. And it did, that's not a thing you'd see with Penn State unless you're talking about like Saquon Barkley, but or Miles Sanders. Shout out. Hey, Chris the, McSorley was fast. Oh yeah, he was, but he just couldn't throw the ball to save his life. Um, you know, I just the 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 line is minus nine. Penn State minus nine. I think old Jimbo can pull some stuff out of his uh, out of his out of his ass to get uh, at least within a touchdown. He hasn't done it before. Hey, there's a first time for everything. Dude knows he's on the hot seat. That's true. Also, before we move on, the belly
0: up gameplay week eight is Michigan versus Penn State. So if you want your chance to win a free shirt, hop into our forum, predict the winner and the score of the game, and we'll get you your shirt. Final score: twenty-seven
1: thirty-one Penn State.
0: I remember what I had. I final score: thirty-three twenty-three Penn State.
1: You're just going one under over the one over the. Uh, the left. I I predicted that score before I saw the spread. Really? Yeah. That's impressive.
0: Yeah, right. I predicted – I just saw the spread now, and I predicted it, predicted it yesterday. Yeah.
1: All right. Fair enough. You uh, were judging me at first, but now you're like, all right, that's it, not bad. I mean, that's – I mean, it's impressive to pick it that early, but at the same time, I, it's just – there's just – I don't know. With Kyle – you ever get that vibe – like, some games, like, you just get a vibe like, all right, they're not going to lose, but it's going to get ugly. Like, that's how, that's how I, like, I knew Virginia-Miami was going to be ugly as hell. I know we were going to win that. I knew that um, LSU-Florida was going to be tight. As much as I thought – and I said LSU was going to be, like, blowing them out. After I said that on last week's podcast, I'm like, knowing my luck, this is going to be close. I mean, it ended up being a 14-point game, but still. No. Seven-point game? Seven-point game. Yeah. Yeah, seven more game, But still, I thought it was going to be a lot more than that. And still, you know, it's just, it's just what happens, especially when like we make big, ballsy guarantees like that. Finally, we move on to the NFL. We've got four really good games. We're talking about Vikings-Lions. So, basically, we are looking at... The NFC, the two, well, one came out is, like, I think last week's Vikings-Eagles win. Take that with a grain of salt. Every team has that one game every year. They come out flat. You, Kevin, of all people, know that. Your Patriots, when they play Miami in December. Um, also, yeah. it's just, like, I think Philly gets both their starting cornerbacks back this week, Darby and and uh, Jalen Mills. And you wouldn't think it would be big, but they are thirty five. I think they're thirteen and five when the two of them both start, because they they're they're just a the perfect cornerback combination. More on that later. But the Vikings are going to struggle against Green uh, against Detroit for two simple reasons. As my uh, cat jumps on my desk, basically, if you look at how the teams are set up, Minnesota. Ca- Oh, Green Bay, to, oh not Green Bay, Detroit does not need a, does not need a, does not need a, like the running game to beat Minnesota, because Minnesota, unfortunately, is going to run into a problem. This week, there's a lockdown corner on the other side of the ball, and a dominant pass rusher, and a team that got robbed on Monday Night Football, and I borrowed this from one of my, um my people I look up to in sports, but you never pick against a team that got embarrassed the week before on national television. I'm not betting against the Lions here. I got them by at least a touchdown. I think Slay is going to lock up Thielen or Diggs, whichever they prefer. And their other cornerback is not bad either, Coleman. They can easily, like, make Kirk Cousins make some dumb mistakes. And I have the Lions by at least a touchdown.
0: I think it's all going to come down to if we're going to see the Kirk Cousins against the Eagles or if we're going to see the Kirk Cousins – against every other NFL team. And I think that that's going to decide the outcome. It's going to decide if the Lions are winning by two touchdowns or a touchdown. Fair. Sure. I think the Lions are winning this regardless. I think for the same reasons that I said they were going to beat Green Bay and the same reasons they should have beaten Green Bay. Matt Stafford's a good quarterback. They know how to get down and dirty. And I think if you can get Kirk Cousins uncomfortable, he's not going to do well.
1: Fair enough. And that I just carry out. The Lions have such a deep roster and I love how Matt Patricia makes them play now. They're not reliant on one thing. They can win other ways and making the games ugly. Now bear in mind the Vikings defense is not as good in my opinion as the Packers is but or it's very similar but I mean, Daniil Hunter and uh, Va- um, uh, I can't remember their other. Everson Griffin are great defensive ends, but the Lions' offensive line is not as banged up as Phillies was last week. So, I think this is going to be a very interesting game. I do think, though, that uh, that Detroit will win this by at least a touchdown, if not more. All right, okay. So far, we're all we're on the same page for the first three p- um picks. So, um, Titans Colts. I mean, Texans-Colts. I got Texans by at least 14 points.
0: I have Texans, but by three to six points. You think it's going to be ugly? I do. I think the Colts, they know how to make it ugly against the team. I mean, look at what they did against the Chiefs. This team everyone thought was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I think the Chiefs were overrated at that point, and I pro—I didn't say it at the time, but looking back, they were—they had too many issues. I think the Texans have less issues, so I think they will beat the Colts. But I just think, the- for the same reason why I'm high on the Lions, I'm high on the Colts. Like I said, Matthew Stafford's good, but he's not great. Jacoby Brissett's a solid quarterback, but he's not right. great. Marlon on a decent year. Their defense is good. I can see the Colts kind of. Not stopping, but containing Deshaun Watson, okay, and making this a game.
1: Uh, I completely agree. I, I mean, as much as I, I you kind of convinced me a little bit. I think it's gonna be close now. I do think the Texans are still gonna win. I think it's gonna be a seven-point game. Like Watson's gonna hit a throw field to uh, Hopkins or, uh, or maybe uh, Phil or whoever, but. Deshaun Watson last week. First of all, Laramie Tunsil I think had one of the highest rated games by PFF that they'd had this season. That last week, and he like basically dominated. Um, who they play? week? shit. Texas. Who the Texans play last week? Oh, Chiefs. Did you play the Chiefs. Yeah. No, they didn't play the Chiefs. Play the Chiefs. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, they did play the Chiefs, and um, uh, they basically like he kept Frank Clark. Locked up the entire game, so I am very well. Sh- I am very well certain that this week against a, I mean the Colts do have Justin Houston, but Frank Clark is just as dominant, if not more. I I just I I really think that the uh, Texans are well balanced enough, unlike the Chiefs, where they can m- force you. To worry about the run game between Duke Johnson and Carlos Hyde, and then they'll start hucking the ball over the top. So I have the Texans by ten. Next up, Ravens at Seahawks. Now this game is interesting to me. I love the Seahawks. They are my, I they are probably my number five seed in the wild card, and whoever loses out the NFC East sweepstakes will probably get the number two seed. But I look at the Seahawks roster. They still struggle rushing the passer, even though they have Clowney and Ziggy Anza, which is not a bad pass rush. It's just, you know, it's like Clowney and then you have the ghost of Ziggy Anza. But I look at it's, – it's Russell Wilson against that really good Ravens defense. Is Lamar Jackson going to show up and play? I feel like this is a good game for him because the – uh, Raven of uh, the Seahawks defense is very young, very inexperienced, and they're going to make a lot of mistakes, especially with maybe Lamar charging towards the line of scrimmage, pulling up and chucking a ball down the field. Hollywood Brown is questionable, but leaning towards playing, which is good news for Lamar Jackson. That's like a safety blanket. Um, give me the, give me the Ravens by th- three. I really believe that this is, like, one of those games, like, the like the Seahawks always have a couple of games every year that, like, slip up and they lose by a couple, and it's not even Russell Wilson, because Russell Wilson can always get them a win, but I think this is the one they slip up a little bit, because the Ravens' defense will have enough. I think if Marcus Peters plays, I know he's probably going to play sparingly, but, since he got traded Tuesday, but I think this allows the Seahawks to basically, the Seahawks are going to have trouble now, because, I don't know, I think the Ravens are a more experienced defense than what they played against, uh... In Cleveland, so that's my pick. Uh, I have
0: the Seahawks. I think, yes, the Ravens' defense is really good. I agree with you. I don't think Marcus Peters is going to play that much. I think they'll probably get him involved. But I think he's not going to know the schemes as much, especially the zones. Like, if they're playing man coverage, they can just go out there, hey, Marcus, go cover Hollywood Brown. And then if he's out there, you know, oh, they're playing man, because that's the easiest thing to know. But I think, and also, they're at, they're in Seattle, and that's really going to help the Seahawks. And Russell Wilson, though, doesn't really make mistakes. He's mobile enough to get away from the pass rush. He doesn't just chuck it downfield to a guy in triple coverage. And when he does, somehow, it's usually a completion or incomplete. He rarely throws picks. He's a smart player. And I think they already had three, like, mess-up games on their schedule. They're 5 and 1 right now, I think. sure appreciate what I said. Yeah, they're 5 and 1. They barely beat the Bengals week 1. They won by 2 against the Steelers team that was just blown out by the Patriots. And then I, it's not showing me their loss. And then they lost to someone. They lost to the lost Saints. Lost to the the Browns in that weird ass game that made no sense. No, they beat the Browns. They lost to the Saints.
1: Oh, uh yeah. And I think those no, are no, 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 the Ravens lost to the Saints. No, nope, I'm Ravens looking at right up, oh, now. Oh, you're on with the Seahawks. Jesus. Yes. I okay.
0: said you said they mess up. I said they already had their three mess-up games. That's true. I don't think they're going to go undefeated and go 15-1, and one, but I think they've had three mess-up games early in the season. I don't think – I think Lamar Jackson really slowed down as a passer. He can still attack you with his legs, but I think the Seahawks are up to task on defense. I think they're good enough to get them the win
1: uh all right fair enough I just think with the Ravens the only law lo- the only like two of their, their losses have been against Cleveland that loss that I quote that's the Philly um Minnesota game it's very similar where a lesser team walks in punches them in the mouth repeatedly and they're just not there they're not awake they lost to Kansas City and it was very close I have Baltimore winning this still. I I just I really have to take him. All right, finally, the battle for the NFC supremacy at least through week seven. Um, Eagles Cowboys uh, in Arlington. Thank God because uh, I would rather play the game earlier in the year in Arlington than later. Um, Carson Wentz is hell of course. Uh, both, I said both both corners are back and they're 13 to five when Darby and Mills are back. Cooper and um, uh, Cobb have not practiced yet this week. Deshaun Jackson is questionable, leaning towards doubtful, but there is hope he still could play. Uh, Bradham and Cox. I think Cox is going to play. Jurgen is going to play. Bradham is a game-time decision. So it's going to be interesting. The Eagles' defense is getting healthier. They still have Deshaun Jackson, and the Cowboys are getting a little more injury-prone. I think it's going to be close, but I have Philadelphia squeaking one out here. 27-24, Wentz gets the job done, and Dak's going to have to make a move late in the game. And without his security blanket, Cooper, he's going to throw a dumb pick. With Especially with Darby wanting revenge after blowing his ACL last year against Dallas, he's going to want some payback. And Jalen Mills has been sitting on the sidelines since week eight. That boy's hungry. And he's the heart and soul of our defense. As much as he gets burnt on double moves... He is, like, every team has that guy. He may not the best player on that defense, but that he, like, he is, like, the like the gang green defense. Jalen Mills invented that during the Super Bowl run. I'm very excited for this game. Having Mills possibly back just is just, is, like, energy fuel for Philadelphia, and I, I love it. I got Philly 27-24. I think Dallas will be fine. I still think they're going to be a wild card team. I just think this game right now, with no, with only Michael Gallup is the only starting wide receiver left, and Philly can just roll over coverage over the top of Darby, and since Gallup can really only run two routes, Darby can just have McCloud sit over the top of him. I got Philly in this one. I just think that Dak is going to struggle because Philly can now just pop, pack the box on Zeke. I wanted to pick the Cowboys just to annoy you. I know you did, and that I was expecting it. So like. But I can't. They're so bad. They're not bad. They, they just, are. They can't play from behind. Dude, they it, lost to the Jets. But the Jets are actually a good roster when they have Sam Darnold in the lineup. And they had half their guys come back last week. I think the Jets are going to be still a – they're going to be an 8-8 team. The Sam, Dar, Sam Darnold illness kind of shot them in the foot for making the, making the playoffs. But they're still going to be a good team. Like kind of an eight and eight team, but I think the Cowboys are okay. It's they're they're okay leaning on good. The problem is is that Zeke Elliott's a top two running back. Tim him McCaffrey and then maybe throwing Camara and I don't know. You split hairs after that point. Maybe Chubb. I don't know. It, it varies every year, but Zeke is the constant there. But with Philadelphia can do now with Cooper possibly not playing. You can stack the box on Zeke. And Philadelphia this this year has only allowed, I think, over 100 rushing yards once. I was against Minnesota last week just because their defense just didn't show up. And Minnesota embarrassed them. And you're telling me Philadelphia is not going to come out wanting to punch somebody in the mouth? And who do they get? The Dallas Cowboys in their house? See, most teams kind of shy away from this kind of thing. But it, when it's a rivalry game, Kevin, you know as much as I do. Like when New England got embarrassed on Monday Night Football, I mean, no, I'm not. It got embarrassed by the Chiefs after they won the Super Bowl two years ago. They beat the living snot out of the team they played the next week. I'm not saying the Eagles are the Patriots, but I'm saying that it's it's a football player thing. Good teams rebound, and the Cowboys had a chance to tie it, and Dak made a bad throw, and the Cowboys were within two points it was a heartbreaker it wasn't embarrassing they just like they lost to sam Darnold, and, and it's gonna be both two teams who are very pissed off about losing the next this week but i i just i think philly's gonna sneak this out yeah i think now that we get now that i can talk and get to my pick
0: sorry i think the eagles are gonna win i think like you said they can pack the ball against zeke let Dak throw and they'll do fine, but your point, good teams rebound, I don't think either of these teams are good. Oh, The Eagles aren't there. bad, they're a playoff team, but they're not winning
1: anything this year. I don't think they're a very good team. Without Deshaun Jackson, they're not winning anything. He makes their offense tick, because he stretches it out. Without him, their offense becomes anemic. It's a anybody. symptom
0: of not being a good team. If you rely
1: that heavily on one player outside of the quarterback position, you're not a very good team. It's the team Doug Peterson's offense needs a deep threat, even if it's just a guy to take the defense and make them fear it. That's why the Eagles almost took Hollywood Brown in the draft this year, but they had Deshaun Jackson already, so they were like, "Yeah, we'll pass." But he was three on—I think number three on their draft board I saw—behind Jacobs and Andre Dillard. And Dillard will start this week ahead of Jason Peters, so he's going to have his debut against DeMarcus Lawrence. That should be interesting. But that's our six-pack. Kev, you got
0: any weird shit before we roll out? Uh, Well, I have a question. Do you want some more Alabama-Tennessee stuff, or do you want some more historical stuff?
1: Hmm. I want historical because I'm really tired of hearing about you beat up on Tennessee. They suck enough. Leave them alone. Okay. So in –
0: On October 18th, 1862, that is 157 years ago tomorrow, James Creighton, dubbed one of the first superstars of baseball, died. How did he die? Well, he was a great player. He could hit, run, pitch, field, he could do anything. During a game... He swung so hard to hit a ball, he tore his bladder. Nope, oh, he ruptured an abdominal hernia, hitting a home run.
1: But oh that rupture God.
0: caused internal bleeding, and he died on October 18, 1862. So, if anyone tries to tell you how hard they can hit the baseball now, just bring up Jimmy Creighton,
1: who hit a ball so hard he died. That's insane. That That's probably the craziest shit I've heard come out of your mouth yet. All right, folks, let's um, kick that smooth jazz. We actually have a very uh, nice thing today on uh, Last Call. Uh, I don't know how familiar you guys are with um, a hard knocks this season with the Oakland Raiders. One of my favorite guys on it was David Waller, a former uh, Baltimore Ravens tight end very long, lanky, big physical guy. He's on three of my fantasy teams because I saw watching him practice, he's a freak. He's a great vertical tight end and he was going to fit really well in Gruden's system. Waller was given a multi-year extension today. And as a guy, those who don't know David Waller's story, he suffered and was kicked off of the team from addiction and he was the Ravens couldn't do anything about it in the after suffering and getting so sober, the Raiders gave him a shot. He's been arguably a top five, top ten tight end this year. All, honestly, he's probably the best late round pickup I had this year in fantasy. And he is just a great tight end and a great story. And now he said, he, he quoted when he uh, got his extension, he went up and picked up a bottle of uh, Lemon Lime Perrier to celebrate, and he's excited to play. So good for David Waller. I love seeing these second chance stories, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him put those numbers. And the Oakland Raiders, man, they could be a six or they could be a wild card team. They honestly can win that division because I don't even think any that anybody in that team actually wants to win that division anymore. So I'm excited for this, but. um... This is this is this is awesome. I love it. But that about wraps it up for us here at the corner booth. Kevin, you got anything else? Nope. All right, go play your man game. Man. We'll I'm Jared. That's Kevin. We'll catch y'all on Monday. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Corner Booth podcast. Be sure to check us out on Instagram and on Twitter at Corner Booth Pod.